boom fourth fourth string podcast back thank you guys for being with us we have got plenty of stuff to talk about but first what the hell is up with your eye (laughs) well you know uh when you have a blue screen and blue eyes doesn't work too well apparently so uh testing this one out yeah we might have to uh nix the blue screen all of our advertisers, which we don't have any, by the way, just called and said we're canceling. So we're not Twitter. Hey, there, there will be no Elon Musk slander on this show. We love Elon. And Tesla is welcome to sponsor us anytime. We should call Dan Carbach. He works at Tesla. He can we get should. us in. Yeah. I Dan, can't take connections with marketing. I oh my God. I cannot take Ben seriously right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be able to look at the screen. It's insane. All right. I mean, we always like, you know, you're taught like in podcasting, like when you open a podcast, you should always open like strong with like a hook. We, we've got like the worst openings ever. We're a minute and a half into this thing. We spent more time talking about Ben's eyes than anything pertaining to college football. Um, college football is coming. Yeah, we're going to fire our producer after this. So he's been fired. Out of here. Um, that's the fourth one this month, by the way. Um, Brian Harson, not a good coach, not a good producer. What can I say? Is that you who brought him in here? You know, he didn't cost much because of the $21 million buyout. So I figured it's give true. him a try. Yeah. Not nearly as bad as Hugh Freeze's buyout. We'll be. Um, okay. By the way, I'm like the biggest Alabama fan right now. Like, roll tide, <laughs> let's go. Like, I will be until Hugh Freeze is rid of Auburn or Auburn is rid of Hugh Freeze, whichever comes first. I am like the biggest Nick Saban and Alabama fan. So I apologize about them. That's my new team. Put numbers on the side of my head. Let's roll. All right. All just right. like every other Bammer, just jumping on the bandwagon. I don't care. I'd rather be on a bandwagon that wins national championships than root for the same team paying million dollar buyouts every four years. Do you think a 10 and two Alabama team should have made the playoff? That is an excellent question. Okay. So let's, that's a great lead in folks in the podcast business. We call that a transition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do I think 10 and two Alabama should have been in the playoff? Um, I don't know. All right. Yes, I would say this. Here's here's the thing. T- if if TCU had won the Big 12 championship, fine. Yep. Okay. But you're giving me 10 and 2 Alabama versus a one a two loss SEC team versus a one loss Big 12 team. And I am sorry, but I watched SEC football. I watched Big 12 football. The Big 12 is not a great conference. The SEC has NFL players everywhere. Two-loss SEC team, I think, should be in. Now, here's the caveat with all of this. Alabama doesn't have a great win. So if this is going to be your argument against Alabama, I understand it because they haven't really proven. I mean, it, it is a little bit like we're putting them in because of the name, because of the SEC brand. And I think because we know they've got way more NFL talent and way more stars on that team than TCU does. And realistically, they stand a better chance to win a playoff game than TCU does. 
Well, this um, is only the I, second time Alabama hasn't made a playoff. Yeah. Since where the I would, began. Where I have tremendous pushback, Ben, is all the media outrage that TCU could be penalized for playing in a conference championship game. If TCU had been left out because they lost to Kansas State, that is not penalizing them for playing in a conference championship game. Like that's just, it's one of these arguments that is so incredibly short-sighted by the media because literally, what was it? Three or four years ago, Baylor or T like it was one of the big 12 teams didn't make it because they didn't have a big 12 championship game. Right. And so like the big 12 championship game is your opportunity to solidify yourself in to prove exactly. That's exactly it. And so if we're going to say conference championships mean something and that we think you should determine those championships on the field, we can't renege on that when it's convenient. <laughs> well, I don't think the playoff committee cares anymore now that a 12 team playoff is coming. And yeah, they were honestly, well, no, USC they, will losing. Though, ben. they will because this is the problem with the playoff in a tournament. We have this discussion in college basketball all the time. When you go from four to 12 teams, you are not, you're not making it better. You're taking the argument from who should be four to who should be 11 and 12, right? Like we're still going to have a team where like, oh, it's, it's terrible that they got left out of the playoff. Like it doesn't matter how many teams you have. You're going to have that argument where you're going to feel like a team that maybe should be in gets left out. But at least the playoff. At least college basketball has defined metrics of how you get in to March Madness. Somewhat, and, but every year if Jay Bylas doesn't try and talk me into rooting for Dayton, like being a tournament team, <laughs> even though they're 21 and 10, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but at 68 teams, can we not acknowledge that 55, like, 58 of them have zero shot at winning that thing. Like it's so point, like I love it. It's a lot of fun to fill in the brackets <laughs> and do all of that stuff. Right. But at the See, same dude, we're, time, we're so close to not having bowl games anymore. Isn't that your dream? That is my dream. I <laughs> well, hold on. No, no, no. Let's back up. I want bowl games, but I want them Labor Day weekend, not Christmas and New Year's. Mm hmm. So let's take them away. Let's let the playoff do its thing. Let's bring them to kickoff weekend. I'm not against the playoff. People think I'm anti-playoff. I'm for it. But I'm telling you, if you think this solves anything from who should be in and who shouldn't be, it doesn't solve a thing. Literally, you're going to still have arguments. You're going to have people outraged that some 8-4, and 9-3 and team didn't get in. And there's going to be some group of five team that were like, oh my God, how did they not get in? Like, it's going to be all the same thing. You're just changing the number of who's in the argument. This is the first year in a while that we actually only have two teams that should go to a championship game. So, all right. By the way, Baker Mayfield just stepped in for the Rams, which is amazing. Um Let's get off of that real quick. Let's talk about the playoff this year. Um, and and if we had a 12-team playoff, what that argument would look like. So, Ben, here's the teams ranked right now that I think would be in contention for that 12-team playoff or, or for those last two spots to get into the playoff. Okay? USC, 
Penn State, Washington, Florida State, Oregon State, Oregon, Tulane. So out of that group, which two teams would you put into the playoff? Well, I guess you've got to put three teams things. I put USC in there. So you've got 10, 11, and 12 to the side. Yeah. Uh... So USC, Penn State, Washington, Florida State, Oregon State, Oregon, Tulane, three teams from that group that would get into the playoff. Because this would be the I, last three in, the first three out thing, whatever they would I'd, do. I'd put Tulane in for the heck okay. of it. Uh, I'd put the future Heisman winners team in, uh, so USC. And Oregon nor Oregon State really deserve it. Uh, who are the other teams? <laughs> Florida State. Yeah, FSU. State. There we go. Penn State absolutely does not deserve it. Their only two losses, granted, were to two playoff teams. But Penn State's, they didn't, they struggled in the first half against Auburn, and then Auburn laid down, and they beat the crap out of them in the second half. But this Penn State team is not amazing. I mean, Ben, they've got a 46, like, I don't care what half you struggled or played well or didn't play well. Like, give me this, give me the score at the end of the game. They crushed Ohio, crushed Auburn. Crushed instruments again, uh, beat Northwestern by double digits, beat Minnesota 45-17. Minnesota was a decent team. Crushed Indiana. Crushed they been they put up a shutout against Maryland, who had one of the most potent offenses in the Big 12. Rutgers, Michigan State crushed all of them too. They did lose to Michigan. They were crushed there. They lost to Ohio State. That one was a little bit more competitive. And then they started out the year going to Purdue, a team that played in the Big Ten Championship and won that too. Like, if it were me, I'd have USC and Penn State. And where I would probably struggle is figuring out who fills that 12th spot. Um, You've got Washington. They lost to Arizona State. Really bad loss. Uh, They lost to UCLA. That one's okay. They did beat Oregon on the road. That's an impressive win. So I'd probably put Washington in as my 12th team. But see, this is the thing, Ben. If you this were let Tulane team, in? I won't, no, heck no. <laughs> but see, this is the thing. Like, I know for a fact Tulane deserves absolutely no shot. They lost to Southern Miss by three. By the way, Southern Miss lost to Liberty. They lost to Central Florida by seven. Uh, both of those games at home. Okay. Now I know they won at Cincinnati. That's fine. They beat Central Florida in the conference championship. That's fine. But they don't have literally their biggest regular season win doesn't even compare to two of Penn State's regular season wins. Like I wouldn't put Tulane in. Well, they did beat Kansas State earlier in the year. That's fine. I, I wouldn't put them in. But this is the this is the point of the argument, though is that when we get into this 12-team playoff, if you have the playoff that I just proposed, where we have USC, Penn State, and Washington as your last three in, the media outrage for not letting Tulane in is going to be absolutely through the roof. Yep. Like, 
And then they're going to start saying, well, we need a 16-team playoff because Tulane <laughs> would have been in, in a 16-team playoff. So then, okay, so a 16-team playoff. So your last three teams, you'd have to choose between Oregon State, Oregon, Tulane, LSU, UCLA, South Carolina. Okay, so at some point, somebody's going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe LSU didn't get into the playoff. They, you know, beat Bama. They were in the SEC championship. Like, the argument won't end no matter how many teams are in this playoff. Well, 12's coming, and you're right. I'm fine with it. I'm just telling you. It doesn't change anything. Every year, there's going to be three to four teams that have a realistic shot. That's it. And honestly... I'd say realistically, it's probably two. Like Ben, Georgia, Michigan. I don't think Ohio State actually has a shot to win it. Like I know there's some that are buying into them. I feel like it's Georgia and Michigan's championship to lose. I think it'll be a fun matchup to see Ohio State versus Georgia. Uh, I think Michigan's going to crush TCU. Yeah, Look, we, we've all got to realize that TCU was getting destroyed. And because of their backup quarterback, who is now their starter, uh, Max Duggan. Yeah. Because of him, they were able to get back into the game. He got him down to the one-inch line for a first and goal, and they got stood up Yeah, four plays in a row. And they didn't put it in his hands once. Well, and I tell you quarterback this, too. This is, a, this is a great point. You just brought up a phenomenal point. When I say Georgia and Michigan and maybe even Ohio State too, what is the, when you think style of play, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Big and tough. Yeah. Big, tough, physical. Like when I think Georgia and Michigan, I'm thinking about their defenses and thinking, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. They are so finesse in Ohio State. Yeah, more yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I think to your point, like if you can't get that one inch against Kansas State, how are you gonna do that against Michigan or against Georgia? You're not gonna do that in that you game. Get crushed. Yeah. No, I think just looking at the way they lost, I don't think TCU now that you bring up that point, I don't think TCU should be in. Like, if you can't get that one inch against Kansas State, why would you belong in a 14 playoff? You have no shot at winning. Like, I, I do think Alabama could probably get that inch. Oh, absolutely. In Kansas State, yeah. I think TCU could have gotten it if they had a competent coach. Right. They did the same play call on third and fourth down. What are you right. doing? Um, And I mean, I and I know everybody wants to say Alabama doesn't have a great win. They did beat Ole Miss on the road. So that's, I mean, that's not too shabby. They beat Mississippi State at home 30-6. to six. Those are two eight-win teams. Um, and then their losses are combined by four points at two of the toughest SEC places to play. Like, Ben, even when LSU isn't a championship team, how, how often do they lose at Death Valley? Not very often. Pretty good exactly. home field advantage there. Well, I'd, I'd argue it's probably the best home field advantage in the SEC altogether. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Especially when LSU night. was coming. Yeah, when LSU was humming, that place is impossible to win at. Tennessee. Now, we've forgotten about Tennessee because they haven't been this relevant in maybe two decades. 
right? But I think we saw 110,000 110, uh, fans in that stadium. Yeah. Neyland Stadium's so huge. I think, I think we saw Tennessee this year just how tough it is to win there, but we're not giving them credit for it just yet. It, guys, that place, when Tennessee is a good football team, it is one of the toughest places to win. Like, it's just absolutely brutal to go to Tennessee and pull off a W. And the fact is, Alabama lost to TCU on a last-second, you know, wobbly field goal, and Alabama lost to LSU by a point because LSU went for two, right? It's not... Alabama also beat Texas on a wobbly field goal when the closing seconds and beat Texas A&M who sucked most of the year uh, when they had a fourth and one and they threw the, threw a fade to the right side of the field. Right. But Ben, the difference is, is I'm not leveraging those wins for why Mm -hmm. Alabama should be in. I'm arguing the fact that you can't say just, just simply that they're 10 and two and TCU is 12 and one that that definitively means TCU is a better team because they have one less loss than Alabama. You have to look at the content, the context rather, of what happened in those games. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would prefer to take the team that lost on a weird field goal and take the team that lost on a weird two point conversion versus the team that lost because they couldn't get an inch four plays in a row. Like, how you win and how you lose is, especially how you lose to me, is everything. Like, I personally, I'd be fine if Ohio State wasn't in because they got absolutely smacked at home. USC and TCU both losing in the same weekend in championship weekend put the playoff committee in quite a pickle. It did. Because it was a lose-lose situation for them. No matter who they picked, they were going to get scrutinized. Yeah, and I I do think that's probably why they just kind of left it as it was. You know, because, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. Um, So let's talk about USC because that game was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I thought. Second half, man. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, I thought Caleb Williams freaking phenom. But here's the thing, though. And I do think Lincoln Riley is a good coach. But he has got to get him an offensive line Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Because he just, I mean, the guys are running for his life every play. Um. So I think he's got to get him an offensive line and he's got to get himself some players on that secondary because Cam Rising just completely tore that secondary apart. And this is the thing with Utah. I think it's real interesting. So last year, everybody was in love with Oregon and they played Utah. And I said, Utah is going to smack the crap out of them. And they did. And then they played in the Pac-12 title game. And I, I doubled down. I said, Utah is going to do this again. And then they did. Right. Same mm-hmm. thing this year. Utah beats USC. They get them again in the Pac-12 championship game. Everybody takes USC, and Utah does it a second time. It's insane what Kyle Whittingham does with that team. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yep. Um, There you go. There's no more orange eyes. I'm so grateful. We're past the orange <laughs> eye nonsense. Got it fixed. So, all right, I've got to. So, let's talk about some of these coaching hires. And then we'll, we'll preview the playoff before we get done. Because cool. I was talking about that too. 
Um, but let's talk about these coaching hires. So uh, Hugh Freeze goes to Auburn. We've talked about that one at length. Um, Wisconsin hires, yeah, Wisconsin hires um, Luke Fickle, which is interesting. Uh, Cincinnati hires Scott Satterfield from Louisville, which is interesting. We're talking about that in a minute. And then Cincinnati mm-hmm. just hired Jeff Brom out of Purdue. Jamie Chadwell goes to Liberty. Um, so we'll get to that here in a little bit. I'm excited about that. Here's what I don't understand, Ben. Some of these big-time jobs that are opening up, like Auburn, Wisconsin, how is Sonny Dykes not candidate number one? And also, why would Texas not go ahead and tell Steve Sarkeesian, see you later, like, thanks but no thanks, this ain't working, and go hire the best coach in the state, Sonny Dykes? Why is Texas A&M still coached by Jimbo Fisher when they could go hire Sonny Dykes. Like Sonny Dykes has taken TCU from bottom of the totem pole in the big 12 to in the playoff in one year. I don't understand how he is not like the number one coach on everybody's list. Cause listen, poaching a coach from TCU when you're a Texas or a Texas A&M or an Auburn or a Wisconsin, that that shouldn't be hard or in Nebraska, like that should, like that should be a no brainer. Like he would take that job. Like I just, I'm looking at some of these coaching hires and it's like Auburn hires Hugh freeze because he has sec experience. I don't care if you have sec experience, if you can take TCU to the freaking playoff. Hugh freeze is also a good old boy. He is a good, that is, that is what the Auburn boosters wanted. Was a good old boy. It's interesting. I don't like. <laughs> like if like, but I'm just asking. If you are Wisconsin's AD, Texas's AD, Texas A&M's AD, how are you not at least entertaining? Like looking at Sonny Dykes going is the best coach in our state, and he's kicking our tail. Let's just go hire him. Well, Texas A&M. The reason they're not is they don't have a hundred million dollars to pay a buyout. So. uh do they, not have that oil money. Do they not have oil money? They have oil money, but $100 million is a lot of money. That's a lot of oil money. Listen, Manziel's dad could pay that like chump change. They've got it. <laughs> you know, $100 million. I mean, it's play money at this point. Mm. So I'd say it's probably that. Uh, I think they're with Jimbo at least another two or three years. Yeah. Uh, once his buyout gets down to like seventy million or something like that in three years, yeah, it's absolutely insane. It, it's a crazy uh, buyout. Sarkeesian wise, look, he's a a quarterback whisperer, and he has a really good quarterback who's been injured half the season. He has uh, Arch coming in, and Arch Manning came in under Sarkeesian, so I think there's huge upside there for the Longhorns. You don't get rid of a coach when he has one of the best players in a generation coming in. So you hold on to that guy. Uh, TCU done some incredible things. I don't know if they'll be worth a crap next year, but really solid season. They won a lot of games. I mean, I think as long as Sonny Dykes is coaching there, they're going to be a good team. I don't know. Like the the guy worked at SMU. He's worked instantly at TCU. Like 
I think at this point we just got to admit, and he worked at Cal too. Like who the heck wins games at Cal? It's ridiculous. Um, I, mean, I think TCU games. He's a good coach. There are a few TCU games this season that had things not gone their way. They could easily be eight and four right now. So yeah, but I could say that about so many teams. I mean, I could. I mean, look at Alabama. Two things didn't go their way, and they're ten and two instead of twelve and zero. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. I think Luke Fickle could have gotten a better job, but here's what I think about this move. I think Luke Fickle really wants the Ohio State job, mm. and I think as long as Ryan Day is going 11 and one every year, even if it means Jim Harbaugh knocks him out forever and just keeps beating him, which I don't know that that'll happen, but I think as long as that is happening, Ohio state's not going to fire Ryan day. And I think Luke fickle going over to Wisconsin is now saying, look, if I can start recruiting against Ohio state and get our team in the big 10 championship every year, give ourselves maybe a chance to pull off an upset maybe Ohio State would entertain this and I could leverage Wisconsin for the Ohio State job. And if you could take Wisconsin kind of into that, you know, promised land level that Michigan has entered into, I think Ohio State would be forced to, especially if Michigan keeps beating them the way they are. I mean, Ben, this is the second straight year. It's not like these are close games. Michigan throttled Ohio State. I mean, in the air too. Right. The one thing we didn't expect them to do, they did. Their highest so candidate think, running back is out. And yeah, so, so I think Luke Pickle's looking at Wisconsin going, look, I can. this is a good school. It's a good program. They'll give me what I need to recruit. I'm going into the Big Ten. I'm going to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. If I can win games at Cincinnati and get them to the playoff, I can win some games at Wisconsin and potentially knock off an Ohio State. Like, I think that's – eventually like him going to Wisconsin of all places seemed very peculiar to me. You know, I expected him to leave Cincinnati last year. So the fact that he stayed an extra year was surprising. I think he just wanted a power five team. It makes sense to go look between Nebraska and Wisconsin. I'm going to Wisconsin all day long. Uh, Lots of success up there. Big boys. The recruiting, yes, you're recruiting against Ohio State, but yeah, you're dec- you're like far enough away to where you have a pool to pull from, and they've done well in the past. Wisconsin's had a really decent team. They need a quarterback that doesn't throw more picks than touchdowns. Uh, once he gets that with a Cincinnati-based offense, I'm sure he will. Uh, Look for Wisconsin to be back in it. And look for Wisconsin not to suck and just run the ball every single down. That's kind of cool, too. Well, that that is kind of cool. Um, I think it's interesting that Graham Mertz has already announced that he's going to transfer. He um, should. He's terrible. Um, well, well, the thing is, though, is I think he was terrible under the previous coach. I think he could win under the current coach. And I, I almost want, but I do wonder though, did Luke Fickle go in there and say, look, dude, I'm not starting you go and hit the portal. Kind of like what Deion Sanders <laughs> is done with. Well, I mean, what yep. Deion's done with, you know. Um, I loved it. Stuff. He's like, hey guys, 
I'm coming in here to build a championship team. Can you be champions? If not, hit the yeah. portal. Um, all right, let's talk about another coach that left. So Scott Satterfield goes to Cincinnati from Louisville. You could say, okay, he's getting paid more. He's getting paid 3.5 instead of three and a quarter. And I think Kentucky's got a better state tax than Ohio. So I'm, I'm actually not even sure if he took a pay increase when you factor in the state tax. It may actually equate to being the same. Ben, hmm. this was the move that to me felt completely puzzling. He just finally got Louisville back into some level of competitiveness. I mean, they went seven and five, really probably could have been an eight or nine win team. Um, they're starting to win some games again. If you build on what you had this year, if you can build on that going into next year, I think you can be a really good football team. Cincinnati, you're, I mean, they're in the Big 12, but they'll be in the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma. Like, I don't understand the allure of going there for the same pay when you could be at Louisville, have a chance to knock off Clemson. Like, Louisville feels like a better path to the playoff than Cincinnati does. Cincinnati's been to the playoff more than Louisville. Well, I get that, but I think that's because Cincinnati had Luke Fickle, who I think is one of the maybe five, ten best coaches in the country. Like, I think Luke Fickle's amazing. I don't think Scott Satterfield is taking Cincinnati to the playoff. But I think at Louisville, you've got so much. But because PepsiCo is so tied in with Louisville, that school gets tons and tons and tons of money flowing into it. I think hmm. you can win. I think you can build a really good NIL program. And uh, I just don't understand why he would leave Cincinnati for that job. Like, it's interesting. The coach that was coaching at Louisville left to go to the American Athletic Conference. I think we would, or really the Big 12. I think we would all say the ACC is a more prominent conference than what the Big 12 is going to be. That same ACC school, though, hired a coach from the Big 10 conference who I think we would all say is better than what the ACC is, right? Yeah. Okay, I just think the the coaching moves between those three programs, Purdue, Louisville, Cincinnati, is really interesting with how these conferences are changing. And so, like, you look at Jeff Brom, who's now going from Purdue to Louisville, and I know he's got ties to Louisville. Actually, weirdly, Somebody in his family used to babysit me when I was a baby. Like it's it's <laughs> legit. It's a thing. Like we've got some weird connection to the Brahms. I don't so fully understand. It. You're hanging do. out with Penn State head coaches. You're being babysat by the Brahms. Yeah, I did. I did talk with James Franklin on Saturday. I should. Why didn't I start off the show with that? I buried that at the 31st minute of the show. <laughs> I did talk with James Franklin on Saturday. It was a good conversation. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was uh, yeah, I was hoping he'd be announced as Liberty's new head coach. Take well, a step I told up from him, Penn State. I I did say, um, yeah, I I did go up to him and I said, look, um, you know, we've got a job opening up at uh, you know, Lynchburg, <laughs> about an hour away. If you want to hop in the Mustang? I'll drive you up there. Um, you know, I won't t- won't take too long. Go see Ian. Go hike up the mountains. Uh, there's a winery at the bottom of uh, Peaks of Otter. I go there, come back at Mac, Mac and Bob's for dinner. I uh, go to the Salem Y, hang out in the jacuzzi, be a good time. James said he was busy. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we might, might do it again. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. 
Uh, James is a good guy, though. We had a good conversation. We're going to get him on the fourth string podcast soon. I look forward to it. I should have tr- taken my mic there. What, what would he have done if in the Hotel Rono Club, I started setting up a microphone on a computer and try to get him to come interview? <laughs> Probably walk away. I, I, I did. So he's in the buffet line with his recruit, uh-huh. by the way. This is the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> I can't believe I did this. So the recruit and the recruit's mom are standing there, and James Franklin's standing there. One of his assistant coaches are standing there. And uh, I said, James, welcome to Roanoke, man. I said, you're going to watch the World Cup game later? He said, no, we're probably going to have to head back soon. I said, that's cool. I'm going to watch the World Cup game, and then tonight I'm going to watch the Big Ten Championship. uh, uh, Michigan's playing against Purdue, I think. (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Oh. <laughs> he took a picture uh, with me afterwards, so it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, that was after that yeah. comment. Very. That nice. was after that comment. Yeah, very. I mean, we're he must we're be a nice the, guy uh, then. Line and hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> super nice guy though. Super nice. Um, no, actually, I told him I wanted a picture. He he said, "Yeah, I'll hook up with you later." As he was, you'll get ready to do breakfast with the recruit, and he did. He came and found me later. To grab a picture, it was like an hour later. He, we weren't even in the like breakfast, like the uh, restaurant anymore. We were like walking around Hotel Roanoke, and he found me, and we took a picture. It was the most ridiculous thing. Wow, so, super nice. Yeah, guy. I know. Yeah, you insult Penn they, um, State, and he still comes and finds you for a picture. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's not that great of a coach. <laughs> Maybe he didn't get the insult. Like Harbaugh probably would have understood the insult. But Harbaugh Probably. was coaching that night, so that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got. So he was I recruiting got, a Roanoke know. player. Why wasn't yeah, uh, Why wasn't the new Liberty coach there? Robin uh, Liberty coach hadn't been hired yet. Ah, that's right. That yeah, was later that afternoon. That like here's sort of thing. So my dad was talking about this. Like James Franklin, head coach at Penn State, is in Virginia Tech's backyard. Like it feels a little not, I mean, don't, I'm not going to blame James Franklin at all, but it is kind of interesting. Like Virginia tech, their biggest complaint under Fuente was you can't protect our home turf when it comes to recruits. And now they moved on to Brent pry and it still feels like you can't protect our home turf. Should have hired baby Beamer. Well, should have hired baby. I I don't know that he's going (laughs) to last. Like I, I honestly, this was one of the most like Virginia Tech was not a great team coming into the year. I think we all knew that, but they are not three win bad. Like they're not that bad. They are maybe yep. six or seven win bad, not three wins bad. You know, they bring in a really talented quarterback from Marshall. Um, had some talent on the offensive side of the ball. Needed some help on the defensive end, but. Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know. Like, I watched Virginia Tech. If um, what's-his-name can go down to Duke, the defensive coordinator from Texas A&M can go to Duke, win eight games, be an inch away from getting them into the ACC championship game, why can't Brent Pry get you to a bowl game at Virginia Tech? I think that has to be us. Um, All right. Let's talk about Jamie Chadwell to Liberty. Give Brent Pry an extension. Just saying. Yeah, Brent, Ben wants Tech to suck forever. Um, <laughs> which, 
so far Ben's wishes coming to fruition. Um, all right, let's talk about Jamie Chadwell. Jamie Chadwell. So we we brought on Chad last week, and all right, I wish we could play a replay of it because Ben, we were going through head coaches' names, and I started bringing up some concerns I had about Jamie Chadwell, and yep. Chad seemed adamant that Chadwell was the top choice, the number one pick. Yeah. So come to find out he had actually already signed everything. Um, but there was a clause that said if it had been leaked by Liberty prior to it being announced after the uh, Sunbelt Conference Championship game, he could terminate everything. So mm. anyways, pretty much found out from Chad. Jamie Chadwell was his number one choice last week is that it was already a done deal. Um, but I don't know. I, how much? I mean, how much Coastal Carolina football have you actually watched in the past couple of years? Any? Uh, only when I wanted the Sea Chickens to lose to BYU. They won. In that, they did. I know. I wasn't yeah. happy. No, me neither. Uh, I, I hate <laughs> the Chickens. I hate them. Um, no, so I. I mean, I will tell you this. I think Jamie. I think you just have to sometimes look at a guy and go, "Does he understand the game?" You know, what? how competent is he just at understanding the game? It was like the thing with Chip Kelly. Like everybody would always say, Chip Kelly, does is his system going to work in the NFL or going to work in college football? I don't know about a system. I can't tell you about a system. But I tell you this, Chip Kelly's really, really smart, and he understands football. And even if his system doesn't work, I think you could pivot and have another system or come up with another playbook. And I look at Jamie Chowell kind of like the same way, like, or is Liberty really going to be running a triple option offense the next few years? I don't know, right? But if it doesn't work, I think you could pivot to something else. Don't they have? Didn't the Shanty or what are what are they? What are the Sea Chickens? Was there? They are the Shanty Clears. Okay. Uh-huh. Didn't they have like an somewhat of an air raid offense? It so they pass out of the triple option. It's not Georgia Tech's triple option. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like you, it's not like you're going to have a game. Where you look up at the box where you're like, "Wow, we threw two times for two completions and only had 14 passing yards and like 400 rushing yards." That's not going to be yet. You're still going to have like between 25 to 30 passing like passing attempts, but it's out of the triple option. We'll just get so a couple it's, it's really like a good, good pass option out of the triple option. Yeah, a couple good hands running backs, and yeah. you're golden. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. Grayson McCall needs to transfer in, I think, for it to work. Liberty's quarterback room right now is awful. By the way, Hugh Freeze hired Liberty's offensive coordinator and uh, quarterback coach. That was the best thing Hugh Freeze could have done for Liberty, is getting that guy out of the building. So congrats mm-hmm. on that, because Liberty's quarterback room this year sucked. It was awful. Well, it, it wasn't that bad. You guys went four deep and still won most of your games. Not because of the quarterback, despite the quarterback play, despite the offensive play. And I will tell you this, like Liberty's offense has so always been incredibly dependent on like one or two superstars. Like hmm. first it was Antonio Gandy Golden. Then it was Malik Willis. This yep. year it was, um, shoot, I, you had Day Day Hunter. And then you had um, Demario Douglas. 
It's just, it's always like one or two superstars. You're so dependent on them. If that guy gets taken out of the game, you have no offense. So anyways, Kent Austin going down to Auburn as your new offensive coordinator. Congrats on it. Think you'll be looking for a new offensive coordinator next year. (laughs) I honestly have not paid attention at all about who he's hired. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Dion. Talk about Colorado. Oh, yeah. Were you surprised? Uh, I thought it was interesting because one, <clears throat> Dion went from a uh, is it HBU? HBCU. HBCU, historically yep. black college university, yep. to the whitest of white places in the U.S. Colorado. <laughs> it's not the whitest of white places. That would be Ole Miss. If Dion took the job at Ole Miss, that would be interesting. Mm. I guess that's true. There's a him coaching a team where fans are wearing Confederate uniforms in the stands would be ridiculous. Ooh, Ooh I didn't think about that. <laughs> but see, that's that's not like pasty white. That's like racist white. So, um, but still. Colorado is an interesting place. They suck, and he can yeah. definitely go from uh, nothing to something very quickly there. And then who was it? Who was their last coach that won like two games or six games at Colorado and then immediately got a new job? Mel Tucker. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mel Tucker yeah. <clears throat> got the Michigan job and then got signed on for life. Yeah, I know. So we've sucked ever since. <laughs> like well, he hey, signed he... that lifetime contract or whatever it is they gave him, and it's like they can't yep. win since. Ridiculous. Um, there you go. Following following Mel Tucker's footsteps. Win well, win six games, get to a bowl game, make seven million dollars a year coaching somewhere predominant. Or yeah. go back to FSU because FSU is terrible, and I know they've gotten a little bit better. Uh but I don't see it being consistent. No, here I'm going to tell you right now. Florida State's in my preseason top ten for next year. They are my twelve team playoff. They're going to be my. But I hate them. They're going to be. They're going to be my favorite to win the ACC next year. I'll go and tell you that right now. Florida State. Oh, dude, the way they played the second half of the year. Oh my god, the way they played the second half of the year was absolutely insane. I think it's. I think it'll be a tight race between Florida State and Clemson. But Florida mm-hmm. State's back, baby. Like they they're really, really good. Um mm. all right, Dion. Uh, I had a few thoughts on this. One, it is really encouraging from a landscape perspective that the pack the bottom of the pack 12 can reel in a high pro- high profile coach like this. Because I true. do I do think we were kind of under this impression six, seven months ago that the Pac-12 may not be a thing in the next couple of years. Like, I think we all kind of looked at it like we're on this path to it being SEC and Big Ten and maybe the ACC survives. And now the Big 12 has made a big hire, the Pac-12 has made a big hire, and the ACC has made a big hire. And it's like, okay, maybe all of these conferences, if they can keep making these big hires, maybe they'll be okay. Um and so I think that was huge that the Pac-12 could get a coach like Deion Sanders into 
the worst program in their conference. That's cool. Um, and by the way, he's going to instantly bring in, like he's already brought in Shadur Sanders. That was a four-star recruit. Um, he's going to bring in other top-tier players. I, he's got so a lot Kyle of players he'll transfer in from yeah. Jackson State. So, Oh, no, for sure. Now, what is the – how many games would Jackson State have won in the Pac-12 this year? I don't know. <laughs> well, they would have um, probably beat Stanford. That Well, that is true. That is <laughs> true. They would have beaten Stanford. Um, but, I mean, like, you know, again, like they'll win games. It's going to be interesting. I don't understand it from a Deion Sanders perspective because a Deion Sanders doesn't need the money. Like some of these coaches like Hugh Freeze going from like $5 million at Liberty to what's Auburn paying him like eight too much. Yep. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I had someone for like, eight, nine. like you get a $3 million pay raise in your Hugh Freeze. I'm like, okay, I get it. Right. Just don't, don't let Pete Dammel leak it two hours for the last home game, you idiot. Um, but <laughs> on that note, like, I get that. Deion Sanders, though, this guy's worth, I mean, millions of dollars. He doesn't need the money. I don't even look at him as somebody that wants to work his way up the coaching ranks to like an AM or something big like that. Like, I, I guess I just looked at Deion as like kind of being this novelty that he's coaching at a real small school and can convince these super high profile recruits to come there. And his message to all of these recruits is you don't need those big programs to be successful. You can come to Jackson state to an HBCU and be successful, which is a great message. But then Dion takes the job at Colorado because he wants to be more successful. And then his message is, is, well, you're hating on a black man wanting to be successful. It's like, no, I, I'm all for it. Like David Shaw had the job at Stanford. Uh, Mel Tucker's got the job at Michigan State. Like I've got no problem with that. But your message has now shifted to you need all these players to come play for you at Colorado. Well, what happened to Jackson State? You know, like what I thought Deion Sanders was going to do is turn down all of these jobs and then go and recruit his players and say, look, I was offered big time college football jobs and I turned them down to be at Jackson state. So I, you know, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And it's just so off brand for what Dion has preached the past few years. Yep. It's very true. <clears throat> I think he feels like he's proved that he can be championship caliber based on what he did at Jackson state. Yep. Now it's similar to Clemson over the past few years. When Dabo got there, Clemson was nothing. And he had this little boy mindset of everyone looks down upon us and we're going to rise to the challenge. And now he's gotten to the point where they are the best team in the ACC and no one's doubting that. So you have to change your message. That's pretty hard. I think Dion's going to take on what Dabo had at Clemson and say, all right, well, no one thinks we can do it, but we're going to be champions and you're going to watch. So it changes his message, but it's not like coaches don't change their message based on their success and their program. So I don't really yeah. see an issue with it. Uh, it is interesting. 
it was an interesting move for me, for sure. But I know that based on who he is and the excitement that he brings, people will come. For sure. Um, all right. Let's talk about... So there is something else with this job that I think is really, really interesting. Because I think the future of where I think Dion could go in the next few years would be the perfect match. And I do think now that he's at Colorado, he can leverage it for this job. I don't think he would have been able to do it at Jackson state. So, you know, we put the Jackson state stuff behind us looking into the future. Ben Miami opens up here in the next two years. I think it will. I don't think Cristobal is a very good coach. Does Deion Sanders not feel like Miami hurricanes? And I know he played at Florida State. Yeah. He played at Florida State. Now, I get it. I get it feels sacrilegious to play at Florida State and go to Miami. But Ben, his personality, his swagger, that is the thing that has been missing from Miami football ever since the early, mid-2000s. And they haven't had it since. And they've missed success. He would be totally on brand. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, that'd be tough though, because I know he has some loyalties at FSU. I, he'd probably rather coach at FSU. Probably so. So I don't know. I mean, there there is a chance that say Florida State becomes the powerhouse you think they're going to be, then their coach gets hired away, and then that opens up for Dion. I, yeah, but I don't, I don't know where Mike Norvell would get hired away to. Like, he doesn't strike me as an NFL guy. But, like, Florida State, I would argue, is one of the five, six best jobs in the country. Um, and I, I just – I think it's one of those jobs, once you get it, you don't leave Florida State. Like, if you can if you can make it there, you don't leave Florida State. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you're the coach at Florida State and, let's say, Texas opens up and wants to offer you half a million dollars more to go coach at Texas – is that a more attractive job? What's Mike Norvell making at Florida State? By the way, I uh, private. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they announce Hugh, it. Hugh Freeze is making six and a half million. I don't know what his buyout is. I was looking it up. That... Um, let's see. Seventy-five percent of the remaining Norvell... money in his contract. Mike, right, Mike Norvell is making six point seven eight five. So there you go. So Sarkeesian's making. What is Steve Sarkeesian making? Steve Sarkeesian's salary, 5.4. Okay. Oh, wow. That's it? That's nice. <laughs> Liberty was paying as much for Hugh Freeze as Texas is paying Steve Sarkeesian? That's wild, isn't it? Mm. My mind is completely blown right now. Mm. That is ridiculous. That's wild. I'm. You may have to carry the show because I. That makes me. <laughs> no, I, I, I literally make any sense seven, eight million a year. Okay, so Nick Saban's so making. Nick Saban's making eleven point seven. Kirby, I know. Kirby Sports making eleven and a quarter. Dabo Deserve. is number three at ten and a half. 
Brian um, Kelly is. Now, Lincoln Riley is estimated at $10 million at USC, but they're private, ah. so there's no announcement there. Um, so we don't know for sure, but it's estimated to be over 10. Brian okay. Kelly's getting nine and a half at LSU. Yep. No, Mel Tucker's number six, nine and a half uh, at Michigan State. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, you, Brian Day is also nine and a half at Ohio State. Could you imagine? I mean, just look at this. All so three of these stupid. coaches are paid nine and a half. Brian Kelly, Mel Tucker, Ryan Dye. Where is that Sesame Street song? Which one of these things doesn't belong here? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I sent you like a meme of that a couple of years ago. You probably did. All oh. right. David Shaw. Holy crap. David Shaw was 8.9 million at Stanford. What? Are you kidding? And they he, were, they've been awful for like years. And he stepped down. Oh my God! They were paying him nine million dollars. Nobody suck. goes to Stanford games. <laughs> they were paying a million dollars per attendee. <laughs> oh my gosh! What the heck? All right, Mario Cristobal, eight million at Miami. Um, what a waste! Yeah, I know. Jimbo, seven and a half at Texas A and M. Uh, Lane Kiffin, seven and a quarter at Ole Miss. Um, now this is interesting. We need to talk about this. Jim Harbaugh is 7 million at Michigan. Um, now there are rumors that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the NFL this year. Yep. Um, I don't, by the way, I do not think he would take the Indianapolis Colts job. I like there's zero chance of that happening. I don't think you would take the Arizona Cardinals job. There's zero chance of that happening. But if the Los Angeles Chargers open up, that mm. feels like the best NFL job potentially on the market. That I could see him taking. Um, I'd love it if he took the Carolina Panthers. But regardless. <laughs> well, he was at the 49ers think, before. He was at the 49ers before. Um, regardless of what happens with his NFL job, though, Michigan's going to have to pay him more than $7 million a year after this. Two mm -hmm. straight, I mean, like, don't you think two playoff straight playoff game. appearances, he's got to make more? Oh, yeah. And last year, all of his bonus money he gave to, like, the school or something like that. Did he really? Yeah, oh, he gave it um, He gave it to the people that were impacted by the pandemic or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just, I don't think, like, if you're Jim Harbaugh or if you're whoever his agent is, like, at this point, you got to go to your AD and say, look, Ryan Day's making two and a half million more than me, and I keep beating him. Lane Kiffin's making a quarter million more than me. Like, I shouldn't be on the same pay scale as Lane Kiffin. You know, and I love Lane Kiffin, but he shouldn't be on the pay scale as Lane Kiffin. Like, that's ridiculous to me. Mel Tucker <laughs> is making two and a half million more dollars coaching Michigan State than Michigan. Isn't Michigan supposed to be big brother to Michigan State? Uh huh. Oh, so right. here's the thing for Harbaugh he donated 1.5, his <laughs> $1.5 million bonus for the 2021 football season to the Michigan Athletics Department. Uh, wow. The COVID-19 pandemic brought a lot of financial hardship on people across the globe, but Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh did his part to lessen that burden in Ann Arbor. That's pretty cool. Um, 
James Franklin is seven million a year at Penn State. Um, man, I was talking to a guy making seven million a year, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, because yesterday I was talking to a guy that makes 15 million a year and he's not even a football coach. So, like, I you know walked by James Franklin and it's like, dude, you're of the guys I know that make money, you probably rank like number eight or nine. Um, still bring out those though. high rollers. Uh, listen, you get into the mortgage business, man. They're, they exist. Well, um, I have meetings with Ted Decker every once in a while, and that man, CEO of Home Depot, making a pretty penny. So, I will, yeah, he, he never responded to my email. <laughs> Bastard. Um, Pat Fitzgerald, five point seven four eight million at Northwestern. Um, Chip Kelly, five point six million at UCLA. And Sarkeesian is 16 at 5.45 at uh, Texas. Pat Fitzgerald is making almost 6 million at Northwestern. Isn't that school smart? (laughs) Making more than Sarkeesian. Uh, To win, to have one winning season every once in a while. It's pretty great. It's pretty crazy. Like, do you imagine Steve Sarkeesian? You walk up to your AD, you're like, dude, I can't be paid less than the coach at Northwestern. (laughs) <laughs> well start winning games and he can do it see, uh, gotta be refreshing to not see Brian Harson on that list though oh yeah um can't seem to find anything beyond who is 16th um trying to look for it that's kind of was Hugh Freeze on that list no, um, but this I mean, new. yeah, well, so here's the thing, though. Well, so here's the thing. Um, I mean, that list went to 16. All right, let's see, 25. So PJ Fleck was making 5.1. So Hugh Freeze was somewhere around 25th highest paid coach in the country at Liberty. Um, yep, now he's somewhere in the teens. Yeah. Making 6.5. Uh, PJ Fleck. That's a good guy. Lots of places I could pay him more. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Mike Gundy's making seven and a half. He's a man. Luke Fickle's going to make seven and a half at Wisconsin. Okay. Well, there you go. Mark Stoops is making nine million at Kentucky. (laughs) What? Get oh, rid of the incredible. basketball school quotes. They're paying their coach $9 million. Good Lord. Well, they've been good. Well, they I don't disagree. Okay this year. But I didn't know Will they Levis could pay $9 million for their basketball coach. No, their football coach? Football coach. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What? This can't be right. This is from fanbuzz.com. We're spending way too much time on this, but I find this fascinating. All right, Same. What is... Mark Stoop salary, nine million dollars annually. What the crap? Where's I've been to Kentucky. There is no money in that state. <laughs> There's grass and horses. There ain't no money, and I don't mean like the 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 smokable grass. I mean you could smoke <laughs> it, but it, it would come out blue. Does I am Kentucky have some version of alcohol. They have a lot of whiskey there. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's the whiskey capital of the world. Yeah, there you it's go. Either that or Tennessee. But still, $9 Where is that coming from? 
Maybe the basketball program. I don't know. Boosters? Basketball program ain't making that much money. No basketball program makes $9 million. Um, I mean, yeah, I just I don't know where these Kentucky boosters are. Um, that is crazy. Hey, well, hold on. What's John Calipari's salary? Okay. Is this a little well, funny? 95% of bourbon comes from Kentucky distil- distillers. Yeah, I mean... So yeah, but bourbon, I, bourbon money. Well, yeah, but that ain't oil money. Um, it's not. Yeah, you can't drink. I, you oil. might be able to run a. You might be able to run a car off of it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. John Calipari makes eight million a year. Mark what? Stoops makes not, not. Mark Stoops makes nine million a year. John Calipari makes eight million a year. Basketball school, my ass. <laughs> Wow. That is ridiculous. What is okay, hold on. One more. Brent well, Price. Salary. Calipari makes eight point six. So he's close. He's still below. Okay. So price salary is four million right now. It'll go up to five by twenty twenty six. So literally Virginia Tech is paying Brent Pry the same amount that uh, Liberty is paying Jamie Chadwell. Well, Jamie Chadwell will win more games than Virginia Tech will. So, There's yeah, that. we'll we'll see. I'm interested to see how next year pans out. Um, all right, we got to talk about this playoff thing now, don't we? This oh, is that a that. thing? Yeah. All right. No I've got there. so Georgia taking on um, Ohio State. I do think that one could be relatively close simply because of this CJ Stroud versus Stetson Bennett. I think Stroud is a better quarterback, but Ben, I think it's a lot closer than anybody actually wants to admit. Bennett's been on fire this year. I mean, he has been money and Mm -hmm. I would take Georgia's defense any day over Ohio state. So I know yep. people want to make it out to be like maybe Ohio State's got a chance. I think it's a small chance. I'm going to take Georgia to win that one 38-21 over Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Uh, I fully expect Georgia to put the whooping on. Look, they beat LSU 50-30. to 30. They went for it on two-point conversion to make it 50 points. I love yeah. that. Go for it. You You go, Kirby. Do that every time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could definitely see fourteen. No full goals. If uh, if Michigan can beat Ohio State, what was it, forty six or something like that? Yeah, what was the score of that game? Forty six to twenty one or something like that. Georgia so definitely can score a couple more. So. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking 40, Georgia to win that 5, one. 23. 45 23. 45 All right. 23. Well uh let's let's go with that score for Georgia too. Georgia to beat okay. Ohio State. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna say 45-23 in that one as well. Yeah. I, I think Ohio State's gonna play it fairly close. Um all right. 49-24. Ooh. Now let's talk about Michigan and TCU. Um, I don't think TCU is going to stand a chance. Um, 
Now, I actually, we talked about it on the podcast because everybody was like watching the Michigan-Purdue game and it it was pretty close for a while. We said on this podcast that that game was a little bit of a trap game for Michigan. Ben, Mm -hmm. I watched that game. Michigan was outplayed for three and a half quarters and they still won by 20 points. Mm -hmm. Like, you know you have a great team when you can get outplayed for three and a half quarters and not still win but win by 20 plus points in a <laughs> conference championship game. Like yep. this Michigan team, and I've been on it all year long. Like I've been saying, Ben, I don't think Georgia is definitively better than Michigan. I think they're on equal footing. So I think Michigan's really, really good. Now, TCU uh, lost Kansas State, struggled with Baylor, struggled with Texas, struggled with Texas Tech. Struggled with West Virginia, struggled with Oklahoma State, struggled with Kansas, struggled with Southern Methodist. Like, it's impressive that they won as many games as they did. But Ben, they're just as capable of being a seven or eight win team right now as they That's are. That's what I was saying. They very well could have been an eight and four team. There's some games they should have lost. So, yeah, yeah. look, <clears throat> the fact that the Kansas State game was somewhat of a blowout and then they came back and lost because they couldn't get an inch uh, over the goal line. Michigan can beat you on the ground, in the air. Oh, and by the way, their defense is really good. So... I, I could see Michigan not only blowing out TCU, but shutting out TCU. Yeah, I could too. Um, no, I mean, I think Max Dugan, Dugan is going to get exposed this game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Michigan to win this 31 to 6. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll tell you this too. I tweeted this. I would take last year's Cincinnati team over this year's TCU team by double digits. <laughs> That's here's, here's the thing. Cincinnati's team had sauce Gardner and they had Desmond Ritter. You mm-hmm. look at TCU's team. Give me one player that is capable of being drafted in the top, the first three rounds. Oh, I don't know anyone to get drafted. The best player on their team is their second string quarterback. Exactly. Cincinnati, like, <laughs> I mean, I argued against Cincinnati getting in last year, but yeah. Cincinnati had some dudes. TCU ain't got no dudes. Nope. Uh, don't think anyone will be playing at the next level from the TCU team. Yeah. Uh, All right. I could see TCU losing, let's say, 45 to 3. Wow. Damn. Ben is just like slaughters all around. Nice. All right. They're there's going to be two blowout games because it wasn't necessary yeah. this year. All right. National championship game. We both got Georgia and Michigan. Yep. I would today, Ben, take Michigan to win close. Mm-hmm. I think it would be 2017 Wolverines win a defensive hard fought battle. Who would you take? And that's interesting. So between the two, uh, I would say that. Georgia has the better defense, even though Michigan's defense is electric. Uh, I would also say that Georgia offensively is more explosive. 
throughout the yeah i would agree with season. that yeah and so because of that you're it's going to be very difficult to run all over people like you did throughout the season and with your your heisman hopeful running back i think out for the season at this point the backup yeah. is good the backup had two 50 plus yard rushing touchdowns against ohio state you're not getting any of those against georgia and by the way kirby smart's defense is stout all the way down they have an incredible front seven they have good corners and safeties so you're not throwing 70 yard bombs on georgia either i think it'd be very tough for michigan to move the ball in that game whereas stetson bennett while he's not you know, a Heisman winning quarterback, nor someone who's probably going to do anything in the pros. He's fit the Georgia system very well. And he can throw it to the wide receivers they have, and they can run the ball down your throat. I'd still take Georgia to go back to back national champions riding on their defense, but the offense won't be close. Won't be far behind. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be a really, really tight game. I wish the game were being played in MetLife Stadium in the snow. That would be my desire. <laughs> I want to see those. Now, snow. now, you put the game in the snow. That's a different story. When's the last time Georgia saw white stuff on the ground? Well, never, because they won't play a away game out of like, they won't travel <laughs> past like, I don't know. All of their, all of their uh, offsite games are in Atlanta. So stupid. Even the freaking playoff games they get in Atlanta. Yep. Basically, we need to ban the Chick Fil A Bowl from hosting any more games because they're just way too close to Atlanta or way (laughs) Georgia rather. Stupid. Well, they're the ones they like to host is Georgia and Alabama, and both of them are a couple hours away from Atlanta. Yeah, I I do. I don't know. When we get into this playoff thing, when we start diving deeper into it, I hope we get some other sites that can host the championship because I just think it's a super unfair advantage that Georgia fans can travel 45 minutes to the Chick-fil-A game for a playoff. And like, let's imagine Michigan was the one seed. And so we were going to put the game closest to them. It would have been like Texas, right? Like, what would have been the closest, like, playoff location for Michigan that's available? It wouldn't have been anywhere close to Michigan. Like, they don't have any driving distance games. So, I hope we can add in, like, a Detroit or an Indy or something like that um, into the mix. Because it does feel like the sport is catering to the SEC more so than the Big Ten. I mean, historically, it has. Uh, But... Agreed. There's a ton of NFL stadiums up in the Northeast. Yeah. So get a couple of deals together. We haven't even happen. talked about um, transfer portal stuff. I don't know if we're going to have time. We're over an hour into this thing. Um, you shouldn't too have much talked time about coaching your... salaries. Well, we shouldn't have talked about your stupid orange eyes either, but <laughs> here we are. Uh, transfer portal recruiting. Heisman Trophy winning. I'd give it to Caleb I Williams. I've never cared about the Heisman Trophy. What? It's one of never my favorite cared. things in NCAA football. 
I just don't pay attention. I'm just to like it. I always pad my stats in that game so I can win the Heisman. Just wanna. Oh, you mean the football? Yeah, I don't care about that either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just the Heisman thing's like never been a big deal to me. Um, I don't, I don't really like individual awards either. Like I don't, like in the NFL, I don't really pay attention to it. Yeah, it was a big deal when uh, Auburn had two Heisman's and Alabama had none. Then Auburn had three Heisman's, but then Alabama got like five in a row or something like that. So, did Cam win a Heisman? He did. It's okay. one of our three Heisman so, Trophy winners. So hold on, let me see if I can get this right. So Cam won one. Um, hold on, guy who played baseball. What? Why am I blanking on his name? Bo knows. Bo Bo Jackson. He won one, right? Okay, so the other one. Shoot. Long time ago. Who won it? Pat Sullivan. Pretty sure he was uh, a quarterback. A quarterback on the first national championship team. Long time ago. Really? Yeah. Why did I not think it? I should have known that. So Pat Sullivan, Bo Jackson, Cam Newton are the three Auburn winners. Actually, you know, he was in 1971, so that was after our first championship. But he had a nine to one regular season, so pretty good. Still way before my birthday. Um, there you go. Yeah, so I wouldn't have known. I wasn't watching. All right. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Ben? Uh, blue screens are bad, and. Pay your coaches more if you want good coaches. Unless you're Michigan State. Pay your coaches less. That is... Or Stanford. He he stepped down. Why did he step down? Make them fire you. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I really... <laughs> I, I, I didn't... I thought he was making like three, four million dollars a year. Like, Maybe they the paid him to step down. I don't know. Probably. Well, I, I heard a rumor that he um could could end up being like um in charge of like the playoff committee or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just tired of coaching. But listen, you could just be the head coach at Stanford, not do anything, and nobody would know. Like even if you <laughs> didn't build a team, nobody goes to the games anyways. If you just forfeited twelve games, like Stanford would not change. It's just like, oh yeah, know that. <laughs> you could definitely get some uh, some players just to come out on a Saturday, suit up. I'm sure you could take the guy that's dressing up as the tree, put him at quarterback. You're fine. It doesn't probably change. score about as many points. Probably would. It, it is amazing. Like if we've ever questioned whether or not Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, the freaking fact that he took Stanford won as much as he did there and has gone to Michigan and turned them around. I mean, he freaking convinced Andrew Luck to go to Stanford. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, and do you remember when he went there? This was so forever ago. Yep. His first year at Stanford, he said, we're going to beat USC. And everybody was like, no way. And then they beat USC his first year at Stanford. Now, they were terrible. They won like three or four games. But I mean, like, 
I mean, they were reverting back to Stanford of old. Nine mm-hmm. million a year for David Shaw. Insane. That's the craziest thing we've ever talked about on this broadcast. Though Stanford did beat uh, Notre Dame this year, so yeah, but so did Marshall. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a whole other different story. I don't. I am so like in awe of that Stanford. I will gladly be your next head coach. I'll be the assistant. Pay that's me five fine. million. That's fine. I'll I'll make nine. Bill will make five. We're good with it. I'll run a really good offense. He will run the same play to the same player 54 (laughs) times a game. And we'll win every game. You'll have a tight end with like 450 receiving yards. It's fine. Unstoppable. Yeah. All right. That's enough. This is the four string podcast. We got to roll. See ya. I can't even move.